On today's episode of Making Sense of the Sens, the boys break down the Brassard trade, talk about possibly moving the greatest player in franchise history, the bitter relationship between fans and owner, and just the whole Ottawa Senators franchise deteriorating into a debacle. Okay, this is Sean Donovan, and you're listening to the guys at Send Central. This game has deteriorated into a debacle. We don't have that in our room. We don't talk about that stuff. We're, we're, we're getting ready for Monday's practice, and uh, you know we're ready for whatever the organization decides to do. We're going to do what's right for the organization. We're going to. We have a plan in place. We know how we're going to go about the plan. Hello, Sense fans, and welcome. It's the 34th episode, the Shane Knighty of Making Sense of the Sens. I'm Ross Levitan, joined today by Brandon Piller. What's up, guys? Chris Parliament. Hello, everybody. And Jeremy Hewson. Hola. In a roundabout way, it kind of makes sense. Shane 90 now doing color for the Vegas Golden Knights. They're one of the teams interested in Eric Carlson. We'll get to all the Carlson talk in just a little bit. But first, the trade that actually has happened. Eventually, it did happen. It got rejected a couple times. A three-way trade. Ottawa sending Derek Broussard to the Pittsburgh Penguins. In exchange, basically, for goaltending prospect Philip Gustafson, Ian Cole, Pittsburgh's first rounder this year and their third rounder next year. However, Ottawa sends their third round pick this season to Pittsburgh. And just to make it more complicated, Pittsburgh sends Ryan Reeves and a fourth round pick to Vegas for former Senator prospect. Tobias Lindbergh. That makes sense, eh, guys? And don't 100%. forget uh, Vegas retaining 40% of Broussard's salary. So initially the trade didn't go through because there was nothing tangible going from Vegas to Ottawa. That's where the third rounder comes in. Vegas wanted Ryan Reeves from Pittsburgh. And um, yeah, basically Derek Broussard's gone. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, Derek Broussard was a good senator in his time here. Big game brass. We're going to miss that guy that was good in the community as well, like Kyle Turris. But I love this deal because after all those four deals that Ross somehow just explained, lost Jeremy for probably a month, <laughs> is it's not done yet. Ian Cole can still get tangible stuff coming back. We already went out and got that guy that we wanted, the goaltending prospect, yeah, and Gustafson. a good one. Goalie, a good goalie one. of the tournament at this World Juniors, 19-year-old. And now we're seeing Thomas Mechanics getting moved for what he's getting, and that turtleneck in him just got to go. So Ian Cole can get some return here. I wonder if Thomas Mechanic, just to go off the beaten path here for a second, do you think the Habs, just to keep their branding up, was like, yeah, we'll give you Placanic, but he has to keep the Habs turtleneck? Oh, I was just going to ask that. Leafs? I was just going to ask that. Or do the Leafs get him a new one? Nah, the oh. Leafs get him a new one. They've already got it ready. Going a little more off the beaten path, Rex Ryan used to wear a Jets um, vest to games, and then when he went to Baltimore, he just got the crest put over top of it sewn right over top so from know. a big guy in rex ryan back to big game brass a playoff experience will help out with pittsburgh and it's kind of funny if you can't beat him join him i guess Derek Broussard's played against the penguins the last four years in the playoffs he won the first two with the rangers lost one with the rangers and then of course last year uh he was basically playing with one arm in that eastern conference final wasn't even taking face-offs had the two points both in game three where ottawa won 5-1 but was held pointless otherwise but that hasn't been the case when Broussard plays against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. He's got uh, the first series went seven games, five points. Next two went five games, and he had four points in each of those. So almost a point-a-game player in the playoffs against Pittsburgh. And now he's going to get a play with that wagon of an offensive team. Uh, where do you see him fitting in? I mean, like, pick your poison, I guess. He He's going to be a third-line center. And just 
Man, imagine having Derek Brassard as your third line center. He was when it was Turris and Brassard, he was sort of a, a one a one B, one A kind of centerman for the Sens. So now imagine having him play under Crosby and Malkin. That just goes to show you how bad the Senators center position really was. When you're using Turris as your number one guy, he's a great second liner, but he was not a first line centerman. Yeah, and and it, it's it's crazy to me to think like the way that the Senators viewed some of these players they're trying to shop. Let's let's look back. Pierre Dorian said on the eighth day, God rested and created Eric Carlson. Something like that. that that's some <laughs> nice praise. And Broussard was named the best player, I'm using air quotes here, statistically Good radio. for the Sens in all of last season. So the two players that they came out publicly and said they valued most... One of them's already gone, and the other one is getting shipped out. It's just crazy to think how quickly this is all deteriorated into a debacle. Yeah, it's funny that we used that right off the top, because that was actually when Ottawa was in Calgary and beating the pants off the Flames. They Ray Ferreira was referring to Calgary, but rather than the game was deteriorating to the into a debacle, from that point forward, the Senators' season deteriorated into a debacle, and it could... Go, fall further if they do decide to trade the captain of this team, Eric Carlson. Before we get to that as well, I do want to touch on what the Sens received in this trade. Philip Gustafson, a very solid prospect. He was drafted 55th overall in the 2016 draft. Led Sweden to a silver medal here at this year's World Juniors. As I mentioned, named tournament's top goalie. A 181 goals against average, a 924 save percentage. Resident goalie expert Brandon Peller. What do you think <laughs> of the move? You know what? It's, it's great and when we first discussed this move, I was a little upset. Uh, I thought for sure um, Tristan Jari or Casey DeSmith should have been a part of that trade. I just was hoping for someone a little more NHL ready. And to be honest, I didn't really know much about Philip Gustafson. But now that I've had time to digest it, I think it's great. The idea of two very good Swedish goalie prospects in the system in Philip Gustafson and Marcus Hogberg just makes me so excited. I mean... They're probably a few years away from being NHL ready, but by the time Andy and Kondo's contracts are up, these two should should be at least contending and competing against each other for an NHL spot, which is so exciting. And this is what the Senators need. They haven't had good goalie prospects on their team for a while, and if they did have good goalie prospects, they traded them away, unfortunately. So hopefully they can hold on to Hogberg and Gustafsson, and we can see them both wearing Sens jerseys in the future. The funny thing is you mentioned that when they had these prospects, you think Bishop and Leonard. Yeah, that's who I was referring to. When it was when push came to shove, Anderson would just have an unbelievable season, and you're like, hey, we, we can afford to get rid of these guys. Did they get the proper value? I guess jury's still out on Leonard, but Bishop, of course, not. And Conacher ends up back with Tampa Bay after all in a roundabout way. Um, with inter- Sorry, go ahead. I'm just... In a year where Pittsburgh looks like you mentioned a wagon... And adding brass is huge for them, but a first-round pick late in the round this year, I have no problem with because this is one of the deepest drafts we've seen in a long time, and there's a lot of good talent in this first round, so if you can just stockpile them, go for it. Yeah, and I mean, the first-round pick, I would argue, wasn't even the centerpiece. I would argue that Gustafson was the centerpiece of this deal. And Gustafson, it was reported by Bruce Garriock during question period on yesterday's broadcast the Senators plan for Gustafson to come over at the end of this season. He's on a very powerful team in Lulia. Uh, he's an 8-9 record, 
pretty much playing backup. He did play his first game as a member of the Senators organization yesterday. He made 24 saves. His team lost 3-1. But they do expect him to come over this year and then stay over for next year. Yeah, but Ross, he's going to be behind Andrew Hammond. He's going to be behind Danny Taylor. And Chris Drieger still looks great, apparently, for the, the Sens franchise. So unless the Senators can figure out a way to get their heads on straight and get the right goalies developing in Belleville, it's, it's going to be terrible. If Andrew Hammond even gets a sniff in a Belleville Center's uh, jersey again, I'll be furious. No, I don't. I think we're past that point. And, uh, you I meant- thought we were past that point when, <laughs> when, when the Sens traded him. <laughs> I thought that was the whole idea. The Hamburglar coming back for more. And come on. Anyways, I don't want to get started on this. Still yeah. have to respect that 2015 run. Uh, Casey DeSmith, 26 years old. Tristan Jari, 22 years old. Another reason why the Senators looking further into the future, going for someone maybe a little bit further from NHL action, but a very high ceiling. We've seen how high Eric Carlson's ceiling can go. Uh, the <laughs> captain of this team, third leading scorer in franchise history, top by defenseman by a mile. Why, why, why are the Senators in serious discussions about trading their captain? It is a debacle. And it, really, right now, there's no way but up. And right now, Eric Carlson might be your ticket up. It's tough to say because he can be such a big part of the solution. But right now, the problem is so big that you might just want to blow it up. There's talks of him not getting along with management. His play's certainly gone downhill, but you have to expect a 27-year-old to bounce back next season, especially the way his mind works or and he thinks about the game, the way he's able to play 30 minutes a night and not really show any effects. But it for right now, I can't even imagine what the return would be. It, it just it blows my mind to think that from last season to now, we're here, and Eric Carlson is the name on the block. The guy with the C on the jersey is on the block. First of all, I think I speak for all of us that uh, our opinion is if Carlson wanted to stay and the Sens were willing to pay whatever he wanted, we would all be over the moon for that extension to happen. I don't think any Sens fan in their right mind is cheering to get rid of this guy. But... The only reason this is an issue is because it doesn't look like the center's organization is comfortable with having that kind of money in a contract for Carlson. And is that the right thing? No, not at all. But as we're seeing, Dorian's new plan is to ship out as much money as possible. So the last thing they want to do is put up a potentially massive contract for a guy like Carlson, which is, it's it's sad. It's like you said, this is just deteriorating into a debacle. But if you know he's not going to return with the team, you need to take action to get the most assets in return for him as possible. But what are you saving for? Look, what are you saving for? If you're going to make it to a point where you have a top three player in the world, pay for him. What else is there to spend money on? Are you going to get These six, are the questions we're asking. Six bad players when you could have a top three player and potentially a top two player. I don't know how long Crosby's going to play for, but... This guy is unbelievable, and you're just not going to pay him because it's too much. Then what are you? What is the success point you're shooting for? Let me just tell you: if they covered up 1,500 seats at the beginning of this year, if they trade Eric Carlson, they may as well cover the entire top bowl. It's embarrassing. 14,000 people at a game right now. Next year, it'll be down to 10. And it looked packed on Saturday, and I would say most people there saying, "Is this Carl Eric Carlson's D Day? Are we seeing the last?" of the most beloved player since number 11. 
and it's it's just unbelievable that it's gotten to this you point. can just tell by the way we're talking about it it's so depressing in here yeah but i mean t- yeah. and, and the funny thing too is usually when these kind of situations happen to organizations if you look on twitter their rivals are laughing they're they're having a good time about the situation i've seen nothing but sympathy and empathy even from leafs fans on twitter being like i can't believe what these sense fans are going through like worse like it's terrible to be going through this like that's how bad this is even other people who would love to see the sense burn are feeling sorry and bad and can't believe this is happening and with all the, the things that happened last year you talk about uh, craig anderson the whole situation there the senators were far and away the feel-good story of the nhl season cap off with the Cinderella run to the Eastern Conference Final, and this year it is literally burning in Ottawa. No, what Chris, else could go wrong? Chris, uh, actually on November 6th, the owner said it doesn't get any better than this. It does, Eugene. No, it, it, does. it doesn't. If this doesn't get you excited, Stanley Cups are the secondary. If if a big trade doesn't get you excited, and Pierre Dorian knows all about big trades. He's made 13 trades since taking over, not even two years ago, uh, this Senator's front office. Pierre Dorian? Or yeah, head scout. Uh, a little bit better than uh, personal trainer Randy Lee, who's completely sabotaged the <laughs> AHL team to a 40% win win percentage over 285 games since taking over. And uh, the, the worst goal differential in the AHL this year. And wins are going down. When he took over in 2014 as AGM of, basically GM of Belleville Binghamton then, 34 wins, then 31, then 28, and now we're at 21 wins in uh, the inaugural season for Belleville. I do like some pieces that they have. Uh, that defense is going to have to get uh, uprooted. Bergdorfer with an extra year on the contract. No idea why. I mean, he did see some NHL action. Uh, at some point, Andreas Englund, you're going to have to make a decision on him. He's going to be 22 years old. Um, he did. I do like what what I've seen from uh, from Andreas Englund, but uh, we'll, we'll get back to uh, to some AHL talk a little bit later. I want to go uh, further into the trade deadline now. So if we look back to last year, uh, Pierre Dorian on February 27th made probably his most um, disapproved trade, sent Jonathan Dolan to Vancouver for Alex Burroughs, and then immediately signed the Pest, who may have played the last game as Senator, to a two-year extension uh, worth $2.5 million. The following day, he traded a third-round pick to Carolina for Victor Stahlberg. And Jeremy's on, boy. And then on March 1st, uh, traded... Curtis Lazar and Mike Koska to Calgary for Yerky Yoki Paka and a second round pick that ultimately became Alex Formanton. So uh, that trade is looking pretty solid. That was the only trade he made on deadline day. Pillar, what's left for Pierre Dorian to do here in the next 24 hours from our recording on Sunday afternoon? Are you asking what I think he will do or what I think he should do? You pick. All right. Uh, I think... Now that you've traded Broussard, the option of trading Pajot is off the table, in my opinion. He's he's signed to a good contract, uh, and you need someone to play center, and you need you you got to rink a team, you got to put a team on the ice, and rink a team. Rink I like team. that. <laughs> Watching a lot of curling lately. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so, is Colin White a center now again with, I, with the move? He, I think he's just playing so well on the wing that like why why break that up. I mean, you want your guy... Centermen can play wing. Wingers can't play center. And I mm-hmm. think you have to at least experience, give him some experience of playing down the middle of the ice because let's see if he can hit that ceiling. We've talked about it on here before. He was given a Patrice Bergeron ceiling when he was drafted. Let's see if he can even come close to that. And another guy that's down the middle that I hope is playing professional hockey next year is Logan Brown. 
This guy is a guy you can potentially put a lot on. Big guy can become a workhorse for you down the middle, dominate the dot. This really opens up, I think, Logan Brown should fill this spot next season, and I hope he's able to. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. And, of course, the other decision the management will have to make is on Zach Smith. Yeah, as... that's where I, I was going to go. I what think... could you get for Zach Smith? A third rounder, perhaps? Well, Thomas Placanic just got a second, and he wears a turtleneck, and he's yeah. what, five <laughs> flat? True. But okay. he's a rental. He's a rental. That's this season, and that's it. Whereas Zach Smith signed to a couple years at a contract that, like we said before, we were, good we were all stoked on it. There's there's no denying that. It's it's very clear we were happy with it when it happened. But now with the direction of, that this team is going and the season Zach Smith has had, that it just doesn't calculate into a good deal for the centers. I can see a lot of teams in the West. For Zach Smith I think in the West he would be a great front. fit. Yeah, a Winnipeg definitely. Jets could could use some size up there on the wing I and mean, some veteran I mean, they got a lot of experience already, yeah. well yeah but you got to put you got to get through the Anaheim Ducks yeah that's very true all, all big teams in the western conference and another name especially when you're talking about cutting costs is Bobby Ryan what do you think Ugh. the likelihood is of uh, number 9 being moved it, I, no one's going to take on that contract he's i think he's going to waste away in Ottawa with his hand in a cast i mean it's all pointing in that direction right now this team hasn't found a way to get the best out of Bobby Ryan when he's available to play. And, I mean, the contract, it is what it is at this point, and it's something you just got to eat. If we're talking about Bobby Ryan getting traded, the only only way I see that happening, and it's not what I think is right, is he gets packaged with Carlson. Which is shameful. Which is, yeah, which is, aw- which is, is, which is awful. I, I agree. Lowering and I, the value. I of hate the that. And that's the worst the thing ever. But... Like like I said earlier, what's Dorian's plan right now? Well, ship money out. This is not how an organization is supposed to be run. It's just completely obvious to anybody who knows anything about hockey. This is not what you do. You do not. What did they do to send Wayne It was pretty shameful that as well when they traded him for a bunch of money. Yeah. And I guess it was a similar situation. And yeah, they won one cup right after that. But from then on, it was among the worst organizations in pro sports. You look at. The Boston Red Sox, when they traded Babe Ruth, they were 84 years without winning. The Carlson curse. No, I, no. I think we're a little early on that, but a smart hockey guy like Steve Eiserman, um, he's probably looking at this and licking his chops and saying, can I take advantage of, of a wounded organization here? And the, the other side of that, though, is that Lightning organization is stacked top to bottom with prospects, with, with young guys on the roster, with older guys. It's... It's a, an unbelievable organization, and I think that if Dorian can be patient, then he might get a, a pretty solid return for Eric Carlson. you you got to think that the package starts with two first-round picks, your best roster player under 23, and your top prospect. But is he not thinking, I don't really want to send him to the East because we have to face him five times next year? I, I don't think you have a choice. You need to get the best return possible, period. Outside of Toronto and Montreal. Yeah. I want to agree with that, but when you're trading the best player you've had in your franchise ever, it it is it doesn't matter where he goes. You need the best return possible. But who do you want from Toronto? Nylander on an expiring contract. Marner, Nylander, plus plus plus, and yeah, but, two first rounders. It, but uh, let's let's get back to let's get back to Tampa. Not, what, that's not realistic though. It's what, just not going to happen. No, Tampa's the team that's consistently shown interest. I, I think really for me, there's only two options. Either he goes to Tampa. Or he goes to Vegas with Ryan attached. Those are the options I see happening. 
Well, a third team has uh, apparently emerged in uh, kicking tires as well, and that's the Nashville Predators. That makes me sick. Like they need another defenseman, honestly. And let's just change the show to the Predators show. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, if we could, especially with Mike Fisher coming back, looks like he'll be signing a contract. I think I like them more than the Senators right now. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree. There's talk. This could get really interesting because there's a couple of Ottawa radio guys who say they have rock-solid sources that are saying that P.K. Subban may be on the move as well. And But why would the Predators trade Subban? No idea. Why? That's got to be something to do with Subban, though. Why would Montreal trade him in the first place? Well, there's a lot of behind exactly. uh, closed doors that's things. The, that's why, the point yeah. I'm trying to make, though. So is that... Are similar situations happening in Nashville? He's leading your team in points. It, well, that's the point. There's a, there has to be something yeah. there that we're not aware of, which was probably similar to a Montreal situation. Otherwise, and if you're seeing that come up twice now, are you really wanting to take on Subban as well, thinking that could, you could be the third team to trade him? What he brings on the ice, yeah. yeah I would, I'd love to have P.K. Subban on the team. He's one so year why is Nashville our... talking about trading him? Uh, yeah, you get, that's something that Nashville's going to have to figure out because P.K. Subban was a big part of that team that went to the Stanley Cup final last year. And as Brandon mentioned, leads the team in points this year. But why bring in P.K. Subban at $9 million till 2022 when you can just pay Eric Carlson? Because Carlson well, no, wants what, more than $9 million. No, what I think he deserves more than $9 million. I'm and so it, does everyone. I'm thinking if this is a, a trade that involves both of them, Ottawa's getting neither. I think they're the third team and is getting a haul of assets a la Colorado with Turris and Duchesne switching spots. And if Duchesne got six or seven assets, whatever it was, Carlson should be getting... Six or seven, if not more. And then if Pierre Dorian is really looking to make it a quicker rebuild, then he's getting a first-round pick from both teams involved in the trade this year, rather than if you're going to trade with one team, of course, one draft pick per year, then you're getting this year's first and next year's first. Is there no way they can package Carlson for a goaltender of quality for next no, year? I, I don't is there think nothing you need, out there? I don't think you need to do that. You you filled your goaltender hole with Gustafson. You're, you're banking on him becoming a good goaltender. We don't know that. Yeah. He might not. Hodberg's but also, been you've sticking got, around for a while, bouncing back. You've and got forth. Anderson and Condo on contracts until if, the end of next year, and you're going to have to ride that. There's kind of no way around it. You just have to hope they're exactly. Better. So, yeah, so you just get developing goalies for now. Yeah, and so uh, do you use your first round pick that you got just two days ago or yesterday, whatever it was, for to draft a goaltender? Absolutely no, not. No, no you, you, you have you Gustafson and Hogberg. Yeah, you're, you have a 21 year old and 19 year old. One player. Two. He, they two. Might, two. Hogberg, I'm, I'm over Hogberg. Sorry, brother. Sorry, I'm over him. Do, I know his numbers don't he, look he, great. They keep sending him to the ECHL. Like, no, he's he's been in AHL for a long time now. But he's in the ECHL this year. Yeah, he he was earlier. But he, I think he's on the right track. You can't look at his numbers and just judge from that because like last year in Binghamton, these are terrible teams defensively in the AHL. But anyways, let's let's stick on Carl. I was just going to say, Hogberg passed the eye test for me at the rookie tournament this year. Big guy, good Six angles. Exactly. Passed the eye test for me. Goalie-friendly show. Let's move on. No, absolutely. No, let's, let's let's say on Carl. If if I, I think Tampa's the best option, what what do you guys want from Tampa if if that's the... It has to start at Braden Point. It can't. Eisman will not trade Braden Point. Well, then Point. you won't get Eric Carlson. You have to make, make sacrifices if you're going to get the best defenseman in the National Hockey League and put him with another top three defenseman in Victor Hedman. It seems Tampa Bay is the suitor right now, and if that deal gets done, it's getting done in the summer. 
he, Yasmin's come out and said he's not moving roster players, and you don't get Eric Carlson for less than roster players. Unless you have a third team. And that's where yeah. this whole thing can just get out of Three control. Three-team so. trades are really, really popular now. Like, they used to never happen. Now it almost seems like the norm. The, yeah. The pro, it's crazy. That's all this cap retention, and, and this is what's going to cause the next lockout. There's yeah, I'm be... sure Batman's not liking what he's seeing. No. Well, that's what you but, saw it when the three-team deal tried to get done with Broussard, and Vegas just ate contract with nothing going to him. That's why you have to make four little deals to make one deal. Yeah, it's ridiculous. We're also seeing a pretty busy day on the waiver wire today. Ottawa uh, pu- putting Johnny Oduya there. He was held out of yesterday's game. It kind of seemed as though um, they had a trade maybe for him, late round pick, but at this point, just going to be gone for nothing. And what's really interesting about that is a reason why a team wouldn't want him. He only has 225000 remaining on his base salary. But Oduya gets another $250,000 if he plays 11 more games and reaches 65 on the season. Then he gets a $250,000 bonus if he's in your top five in average ice time per game. Another two hundred and fifty dollars if he's in your top three, which I think is a, a further reach. And then if he's traded to a playoff team, if that team makes the playoffs, another two hundred and fifty k. So a million left in bonuses. Exactly. I don't think he'll hit one of them, but you're looking at seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a guy who's going to play ten minutes a game. So that I can understand. More money on waivers. Alex Burrows coming off a ten game suspension for being a complete dirtbag. Has he played his last game as an Ottawa Senator? Let's hope so. Took the words out of my mouth. So, yeah, and Sens fans are calling for that 122-game suspension, which would have run out his contract. He's got <laughs> one year left at $2.5 million, and uh, Renaud Lavoie from RDS said that uh, teams are actually contemplating picking him up uh, at that cap. I hit, love it. Saying, you got to like what he brings this time of year. I bet you New Jersey isn't on that list of teams. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, absolutely. I don't think Taylor Hall would be too pleased to, to see him walking into that dressing room. And um, There's a funny story on uh, Spitting Chicklets with Ryan Whitney saying he added him once on Facebook, and apparently he just sticks his nose into everyone and goes to all these charity events just trying to make people like him. So maybe he's got a GM at one of those charity events that'll uh, give him a chance, but it uh, looks like his time in Ottawa is done. Um, I want to get to the lottery pick that... Uh, it looks like Ottawa will have uh, top 10 protected. Pillar, is there any point in that top 10 where you just give away the pick and focus on next year? This, this is something that I'm fascinated by because it's quite a gamble either way. If Ottawa gets... I think if Ottawa gets a lottery lottery luck and is in the top five, 100%, no questions asked, you take this year's pick. But if they get above seven, seven, eight, or nine, with the way they're shipping out guys and really, really blasting off into this rebuild, next season's not going to be much better than this one. And then how how low are you going to finish next season? I'm. This is all just hypothetical. Obviously, that's all you can really look at it. But if it's a seven, eight, or nine, or ten, I'm well, you can, can only I'm, fall down five spots, right? Yeah. So if you finish where but they are right now, three. depends where they finish. You can only drop down three. Only three? I yeah. thought it was five. No, they do for three, two, and one. So there, there's a chance. I, I think that's top six pick. The problem is the Senators are going against elite tanking teams. Exactly. We, we've seen exactly. Edmonton completely fall off the map. Montreal. Arizona, like Arizona. But as long and, as they finish top five, they have a good shot at that first overall pick. We saw Edmonton get it with McDavid when they finished fourth last. So and look at last year's It has uh, to be rigged, too. Like, can't the Batman just be like, wow, the, the Sens are such a tire fire. Let's give him first overall. Rasmus. Yes, please. 
<laughs> yes, please. Honestly, no. I got to go with you keep your top 10 this year. This is, I mentioned Even it earlier. Even if it's lower? Even oh, if guys, it's an 8 or 9, 10? Guys, there's so many good players in this draft this year that you don't know what it's going to turn into next year. Guys are rising this year. And so you take the sure thing this year. Is that what you're saying? One through five, number two is up for grabs for three players. If you get a top five pick, you're getting a Boakvist, Kachuk, Shveshnikov, or Zadina pick. Yeah, that's what I said. Top five, you take it. No questions yeah, asked. But then you've but got below names, that. great names below it. Ryan Merkley could be a potential top three player if he wasn't in this year's draft. Yeah, but Ryan Merkley is way down in the... Uh, in most people's draft boards because apparently he has an attitude problem. And I, I'm a I'm a storm guy. I'm from Guelph. I love the Guelph storm, but this is like, this is really turning into a story. Like he has so much talent. He was the first overall pick in the OHL draft. And people are, are worried about him because of apparently he's got an attitude problem. So you got to watch for those kind of things. I really like Joe Valeno too. Another great player. Yeah, he had an exceptional status to the Quebec League mm-hmm. as well. Uh, we're going to get into some Prairie Fire momentarily, but just first, uh, at the game yesterday, something you never want to see, especially for a team that's looking for fans. This is embarrassing. There was a fan at the glass who had a Keep Carlson Trade Melnick sign, and it not not only was it confiscated, which is a joke in itself, <laughs> went, once argued, they kicked these people out of the arena. Like, how can Melnick even afford to do that? Doesn't he need their concession purchases just to keep running this team? I believe a few more people were kicked out behind them as well for arguing the people with the sign getting kicked out. It, it is absolutely sloppy and messy. And, and we, we talked to oh, our insider here, and he's told us what a debacle it is. It's it's absolutely riveting how it can go from so... The, the ecstasy of making it as far as they did last yeah. year to just... Absolute rock bottom, about 10 miles below sea level. And, I mean, I'm all for it. Be a diehard fan for your team, but when your fans are getting kicked out over Philly fans, it's bad. Yeah, and when your fan base has raised over $7,000 for a billboard that says Melnick out that they want to put right beside the Instead of putting money into their season ticket renewals. Yeah, which went up in price, if you can believe it or not, the... Inflation, man. Yeah, right. Still, it's unbelievable for the the product that is being completely stripped out from underneath this team. Uh, I'd love to see the roster of of Game Seven of last year's playoffs and just all the X's we think: Wingles, Stahlberg, Mathot, Clarky, uh, Broussard, Clarky. Like so many important important Enough. elements of that team. Yeah, you keep going on and on, and uh, it's it's just out of control. But uh, we got some trade deadline specific prayer fire, and uh, here we go. All right, boys, good to be back. All right, you can each make one pick. Players can only be picked once. Now, on the lower-scale deals that we've seen, which will have the biggest impact? Mark Letestu in Columbus. Brian Gionta in Boston. Peter Morazic in Philly. Michael Grabner in Jersey. Frank Vetrano in Florida. Or Darcy Kemper in Arizona. Who's this question directed at? It's around the table. Each you can only pick one player. I'll start. And once the player's picked, it can no longer be. And picked. it's the lowest value. No, who do you think is going to have the the, the highest, highest impact? Value. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Peter Mrazek. Just I like what I like the message. That was it's, mine. I like that the message it sent to the team. Um, you have a 
a group of guys who have battled back from having a terrible start to the year. They had a 10-game losing streak. Yeah, and then they've just been yeah. on fire since. You look at the point leaders, they're scattered with flyers. You got Voracek leading the league in assists. Drew's right there in points. Couturier, over 30 goals already. I love what they've done up front. And then both of your two goalies get hurt. Instead of just saying, oh, well, that's too bad. Ron Hextall, former goalie goes out and says, you guys have earned the right to fight for a playoff the spot. The next day. Exactly. Shout out Gotta Ron Gotta love Hextall. the message that sends. And just to add to that, when you look at Mrazek in Detroit, sure, it wasn't great. He was fighting with Jimmy Howard for a spot, but he also came into a team that was on the downslope, made a couple playoff runs, but that was not the same Detroit team that we've always seen. So for his value to have plummeted based on the fact that the team in front of him wasn't that great, I think it was a great pickup. He might still be a very good goaltender. I'll go next. I got um, uh, Mikhail, Michael Gra- wow. Grabner. He's going to make a big impact for New Jersey. You know, when you have a young team like that, a young, fast team, you bring in an older guy. Who's you don't still know, fast. Exactly. You don't and know if he's going yeah. to still fit in with that speed game, but Grabner still has got his feet underneath him. He can still add points. I think it's a huge pickup, especially because they're a young team with young players that are the same playing style. So if they can learn from him and a guy that's kind of – his career's gone up and down. I like that pick a and lot. It's been up for the last two years. Yeah, for sure. And and funny thing about Grabner is he kills penalties too, which is mm. really rare for a goal scoring speedy winger. So that's a nice little bonus. That was the first trade in New Jersey New York Rangers history. Yeah, what? How does that happen? It's just New Yorkers hate New Jersey. You don't trade with an enemy. Thirty one points this year in sixty games for Grabner. Nice little pickup. Twenty five goals. That one was a, a bit of. Uh jumble all over the place so this next one um although some of the following names very unlikely to move outside of mike green who do you think uh what is fair compensation for the following players and where do they end up we've got mike green max Pacioretty, evander kane john Tavares, and james van reamsdyke okay one john Tavares isn't going anywhere at the yeah, deadline i agreed <laughs> that, that or he's not going anywhere at all i think more yeah than likely None of these players getting moved. No, I think Pacioretty's gone. Uh, I think Pacioretty's good as gone. I think Evander Kane's as good how as do gone, you, too. How do you use Derek Broussard's contract or a trade to evaluate? To set the market? Yeah. Pacioretty is Pacioretty's worth more than Derek Broussard. Let's Definitely. be honest. By, Way more. So if he's getting he's a first, a, 30 goal a third, score. and a top prospect, you got to think that if Florida is the top team involved for Pacioretty. But that's a three-team deal. That's how you get these so things to work. So Montreal's going to look gotta for that. There's got to be two first-round picks involved for Pacioretty. When you think of last or year. Or they have a, a prospect who who's still in NHL college already. right now at Denver, Henrik Bjorkstrom. And I think just that and a first could almost get it done. This kid's going to be an, a star. And Denver's good this year, and he's lighting it up for him. I'm going to go with Vander Kane yeah. to Calgary. Yeah. Nice. Because... That team, Sean Monaghan, Johnny Goudreau, and Michael Furlan, that's not a great top line. I mean, they're playing well together, but Michael Furlan is not a top line winger. So if you're able to pull in a Vander Kane, add a little more scoring to that line, push down uh, Furland, I think that uh, that's a win for the Flames. I'm going to go with a Vander Kane as well, but I would love to see him in Nashville. <laughs> Nashville's really strong on the right wing. Nashville was one of the people uh, involved with uh, the Rick Nash deals they were rumored there but if you get a vander kane instead of kevin fiala on your second line that really changes this team's dynamic and then you get some more size you need the size and uh and goal scoring that a vander kane brings and buffalo has to move kane you know you know who needs scoring st louis blues they've now lost six straight games after losing today to, to nashville funny enough 
They've been shut out in back-to-back games and haven't scored a goal in 140 minutes. I don't see him fitting in in St. Louis. St. Louis has always been that blue-collar team that beats you playing the right way, and I don't think Evander plays the right way. Finally here, guys. A little heartbreaking, but if Carlson is moved at the deadline, is Pierre Dorian's time at the helm of this team as GM done? Absolutely not. Far from it. This is, if Carlson gets moved at the deadline and it's and it's a good deal, I think it'll be Melnick handing out the high fives, not not the players, that's for sure. But Dorian, right when he got his extension, what has he been doing? Shipping money out, shipping good but players out, and shipping money out. So he, he's been doing it smart though, yeah, and he has yeah. exactly. So if he if he hits a home run on this Carlson deal. Malik is probably super stoked with everything Dorian's doing. He just got the extension and he's following through with whatever they discussed days before that extension happened. I don't, if anything, Dorian's job is safer if he makes a good trade for Carlson. On the flip side of that coin, it basically, on the outcome of this trade, if Dorian hits a home run, he stays. But if, in your mind, he flops on this trade, is that the axe on the chopping block? Well, the thing is, it's going to take time to tell. It's going to be for future assets. This isn't going to be a P.K. Subban for Shea Weber type trade. And he just got a three-year extension. So I know that you, you, you're a GM until you get fired. You're not Rarely are you just not given a contract extension, but I don't see that coming up. Uh, now we're going to go to... Thank you, Prairie Fryer, by the way. But we're going to go over to our favorite Senators trade deadline pickup of all time. Jeremy. Uh, February 18th, 2011, the Senators traded Brian Elliott to the Colorado Avalanche in exchange for Craig Anderson, who up until this year was the greatest goaltender in Senators history. And I think for once we let Jeremy have the first go on this. Usually he gets <laughs> snubbed and has to pick last. So I think Jeremy got the best one out of all of us. I would just say that because that would be mine as well if I had first dibs. Well, we've talked on the program on the pod before that it almost ruined a tank though. When he came over from Ottawa, uh, from Colorado, Ottawa was looking like they were getting Gabriel Landeskog or Jonathan Huberdo, and uh, and then he goes eleven five and one when he comes to Ottawa and really. Brought them out of that top three spot. Worked out well. He got the extension. Ottawa drafted Mika Zibanejad. So I think all's well that ends well in that situation. And if you look at their history at the trade deadline, it's not extensive by any means. I would say the next best thing out there was last year's Curtis Lazard trade just to get the second round pick for him. Hey, you don't get to take two of the best deadline deals in one turn, Jer. <laughs> yeah, that's so much, man. Greedy. Uh. <laughs> Uh, mine and this one is kind of uh, kind of out of necessity because I was scrolling through Senators trades. I was on like page seven and I still couldn't find anything I like. So this is this is uh, a bit of a hypothetical dreaming pick that I like. I didn't actually like it because of the way it turned out, but love for the tendies. Ben Bishop acquired from the St. Louis Blues for a second round pick, February sixth, all the way back in 2012. Could you imagine if the Senators, when they had Anderson, Leonard, and Bishop, had have had, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. it's easy for us to say this now, but had have chosen Bishop. I think Bishop, a lot of people were saying it then, too. If they would have picked Bishop over Anderson and Leonard, oh, man, it'd be just amazing to see where this organization would be if Ben Bishop stuck around. Yeah, Ben Bishop only ended up playing 23 games for the Ottawa Senators over two seasons, being acquired in 2012, played 10 games there. And then, of course, the lockout-shortened season. Anderson went down with his chicken-cutting injury. 
uh-huh, where he sliced his hand open and classic um, hockey guy injury. Exactly. And Bishop happens to a guy. Uh, happens more than you think. I know a guy that did it. Was solid. Uh, of course, was they didn't, didn't get the value out of him that uh, they would have liked at the end of the day. Mine, I'm kind of going off the other end of the spectrum because I liked the name when they got him, and then he did not produce at all for Ottawa. In February 18th, 2004, Ottawa trades away Brooks Like, who at that point had played one NHL game and a second-round pick who never developed, Chris Duran, and acquired Slovak sniper Peter Bondra. <laughs> now, Peter Bondra, 503 goals in the National Hockey League. So, of course, he brought offense to Ottawa, right? Wrong. Five goals in 23 games and proceeded to score zero goals in seven games against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Dun, dun, dun. I'm going to go with February 15th, 2018. Recency because Jared ah. took everything. Chris Domenico out of town for Ville Poca. And Best nah. trade deadline trade ever for <laughs> Ottawa right there. You are nuts. I like the upside on this guy. Vili Poca is coming in. He's only 23. Finnish defenseman. I like him. He's going to add a lot of scoring. He's a good two-way guy, I think. He's produced in the AHL, and who knows? He might turn into a top-four defenseman for Ottawa. So in the future, this might look real good. And it's interesting to look at through the history of the Senators' trade deadline moves because it's so few because this team was so consistent for so many years that they weren't blowing their team up. This is the first time we've ever seen it, even if it doesn't happen. From what, 1997 up until this year, this team has never blown it up. They've never missed the playoffs in back-to-back years. There's some there's some reason behind that. And, well, we talked about it before the pod, Jer, and it's, it's this whole thing where the Sens get cold feet when they realize somebody's contract is coming up and they're due for a raise. That's how the NHL works. You draft your guys, works. you develop your guys. When they perform, you pay them. You don't trade them and hope that someone you pick up in return with term on their contract works out better than them. That's not a good strategy. You're getting, you're getting three quarters on the dollar when you do that kind of deal. And everything is looking pretty grim for the Ottawa Senators right now, but it's got to be better in Belleville, right? Down on the farm. It's time to check in on the Belleville Senators. Yeah, no. The Belleville Senators have lost eight of their last nine games, albeit their one win ending an 18-game winning streak for the Toronto Marlies. So suck it. Suck on that, Marlies. Talk about the Nick Paul Hattie against Woo! the Laval Rockets. Unfortunately, they did lose that game 4-3, but... He got a hat-trick in just the second period, and that's that's a nice sign of positivity from Nick Paul because he's another guy, kind of like England. There's There's been a lot of promise, and and the organization really backs Paul and England, but they just haven't been able to, to show up for it. So scoring a Hattie, that's a nice sign, and uh, a little bit of a silver lining on uh, a loss last night. Uh, just to laugh at... Parliament, we all like doing that. Vili Poca with no goals, two assists, minus three in five games. Five game sample. <laughs> Look at this guy. Give him a scouting job. Oh my god. You're basing your love for him on five games. I pray I'm... he's played certainly more than that in the AHL. Yeah, he in forty six games with Rockford Ice Hogs. He had twenty two points, forty six games played. It's funny though, he, even with those totals, he's the third leading scorer on the Belleville Senators, which is sad. 
Uh, Max McCormick in second place. I've actually liked what Max McCormick, just a sidebar, uh, I liked what he's brought on that fourth line in Ottawa. This guy never takes a shift off. He's a little pit bull out there, and sometimes he crosses the line, but you know what? He's got to get a little bit better at fighting. I like how he's willing to drop the gloves, but the guy takes Him a, and Boro should take boxing lessons this summer. <laughs> yeah, he takes a beating every time he's been a fight. Uh, the most memorable one was probably two years ago or last year where Darnell Nurse fed him his lunch. His dad's in the crowd saying, beat his ass, beat him, beat him. So that was solid. Uh, Philip Schlappick uh, still looking good, 22 points, 42 games. And Gagne with 16 goals to lead the way there. Jim O'Brien, the leading goal scorer, 28 points. Just got rewarded with a two-way contract for the rest of this year and next year. Hopefully we don't see him in the Ottawa Senators uniform, but good depth is depth. I can't even say that with a straight face. Uh, It's basically just a paper transaction. We won't worry too much about that, but we are worried about the next 24 hours. There's That's how long we got till the deadline to the minute, 3.05 right now uh, on a Sunday afternoon in the heart of downtown Toronto. And we could be doing a pod tomorrow if something crazy happens. We could be later in the week. But uh, making sense of the Sens gets harder each week as this pitiful season goes on. That's all from us inside the CSM studios in downtown Toronto. I'm Ross Levitan uh, alongside Brandon Piller, Jeremy Houston, and Chris Parliament. Shout out to Brendan Purdy on the board. Have a good day. Just can't wait to get on the road again The life I love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again Going places that I've never been Seeing things that I may never see again I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again